Welcome to Fair Folk. I'm Danica Boyce. Fair Folk is a radio show and podcast exploring folk culture and music from around the world. The show is hosted by Smithers Community Radio, CICK 93.9 FM, and you can find it at smithersradio.com and as a podcast on iTunes. This episode, I'll share some of the more ancient and obscure midwinter traditions that have endured alongside the Christian celebration of Christmas, as well as some lesser-known carols of this festival, many of which are pagan in origin. Whatever its modern expressions, you can be sure Christmas began with the solstice. Before, there were twinkle lights, there were candles and bonfires, and before that, there were standing stones, which cradled the sun as it set and rose on the shortest day of the year. Remaining ancient megalithic sites like Stonehenge and Newgrange attest to the fact that people have held the solstice sacred since at least the late Stone Age, and the occasion continues to resonate. Last year, 7,000 people journeyed to Stonehenge to observe the solstice sunset. In pagan Germanic and Roman tradition, midwinter was a primary yearly feast, involving food and drink, gift-giving, and plenty of sacrifice. In many ways, our modern midwinter customs of gift-giving, decorating trees, hanging lights, and telling stories about the birth of a god echo a process we see in nature. That process is one of purification and renewal, which, especially in northern latitudes, can be seen in folk customs and stories symbolizing the death and rebirth of the sun. Therefore, this episode of Fair Folk will follow the same natural arc, moving from songs about death, austerity, and darkness, to festive songs celebrating light and the continuation of life. First, a friendly reminder to let go of your sinful pride and finery and make ready for the advent of your God on earth. This is Norma Watterson with Christmas is now drawing near at hand. Christmas is now drawing near at hand. Come serve the Lord and be at his command. And God a portion for you will provide. And give a blessing to your soul besides. Down in the garden where flowers grow in ranks. Down on your bended knees and give the Lord thanks. Down on your knees and pray both night and day. Leave off your sins and live upright, I pray. So proud and lofty is some sort of sin Which many take delight and pleasure in Whose conversation God doth much dislike And yet he shakes his sword before he strike So proud and lofty do some people go Dressing themselves like players in a show. They patch and paint and dress with idle stuff. As if God had not made them fine enough. Even little children learn to curse and swear. And can't rehearse one word of godly prayer. Oh, teach them better, oh, teach them to rely on Christ the sinner's friend who reigns on high. Mm-hmm. 
The earliest mention of the Germanic word Yule is from 600, when it is mentioned in the Gothic calendar together with Christian religious texts. Prehistoric people in Nordic countries held a midwinterblot, a sacrificial rite held either on the solstice or in mid-January. In the saga of Haken the Good, there is a description of the bloat, and I quote, It was an ancient custom that when sacrifice was to be made, all farmers were to come to the heathen temple and bring along with them the food they needed while the feast lasted. At this feast, all were to take part of the drinking of ale. Also, all kinds of livestock were killed in connection with it, horses also, and all the blood from them was called chlaut, sacrificial blood, and chlaut boli, the vessel holding the blood, and chlautener, the sacrificial twigs. These were fashioned like sprinklers, and with them were to be smeared all over with blood the pedestals of the idols and also the walls of the temple within and without. And likewise, the men present were to be sprinkled with blood. But the meat of the animals was to be boiled and served as food at the banquet. Fires were to be lighted in the middle of the temple floor and kettles hung over them. The sacrificial beaker was to be borne around the fire and he who made the feast and was chieftain was to bless the beaker as well as all the sacrificial meat. It was also traditional in ancient Scandinavia to sacrifice a wild boar to Frere, the god of fertility and farming, to assure a good growing season in the coming year. Some people call the first night of Yule the Mother Night, when Frigga and the Desir, the female ancestral spirits, are honored in a vigil as the feminine principle that gives birth to the light. The sun itself, known as Suna in Germanic traditions, was a goddess who rode her golden chariot across the sky eternally fleeing the devouring wolf of darkness. This is the Middle English carol, Now is Yule Common, sung by Shira Kamen. Hey, hey, hey. 
the next song you'll hear is a 15th century English Christmas carol called A Boar's Head Carol. The carol comes from the long Germanic tradition of sacrificing pigs and presenting them at Yuletide Feast, whose lineage leads pretty much directly to the preparation of a Christmas ham, which is popular in almost all countries where ham is eaten. The song, of course, has been Christianized for medieval sensibilities. It's also half in Latin. The head of a boar was a common, if auspicious, opening dish at the feasts of the nobility in the Middle Ages. There's evidence that it was customary to play the trumpet before presenting the head, and we know that it was always, always served with mustard. This is the Boar's Head Carol, sung by the young tradition Shirley Collins and Dolly Collins. The Boar's Head in I pray you, my masters, be merry, for death is inconvivial. Caput every day, Pharaoh, red and loud is Mummering is a performative tradition that has one leg in the British Isles and one in the Canadian province of Newfoundland. Mummers dress up in disguise and visit friends and neighbours during the 12 days of Christmas. While mummering at your friend's house, you might do a dance, play music, tell jokes, or recite poems. Before offering the mummers food and drink, the hosts, your friends, would try to guess the identities of their visitors, who will do whatever they can to remain unknown, including cross-dressing, stuffing their clothing, and speaking while inhaling. Traditionally, people would perform elaborate plays, including a sword dance, a dragon would be present, a quack doctor, hobby horses, and other wacky characters. This is a mummer's song from Wexford, sung by Mary O'Hara. In Derry town there dwelt two maids, there dwelt two maids in Shrode. One of the names was Balchie Gray and the other was Nancy Hogue. Now these two maids led an awful life, an awful life and dreary. From morn till night they'd fox and fight and do everything contrary. Now Nancy bought a little pig, and he grew like the wonder. And Paul, she bought another one, you scarce could tell him a Sunday. 
Now these two pigs were out one day, these pigs were out to feed. The blackguards came and cut off their tails and sent them home a bleed. Now Nancy died of a Saturday night and Pachi died of a Sunday. The blackguards came and dug their graves and buried them of a Monday. Now these two maids are dead and gone, their bones they lie in Sharon. And devil of a prayer is offered up for Paul and Nancy Hogue. wonderfully varied and strange group of songs about the hunting of a wren are sung at midwinter in England, Ireland, Scotland, and Wales. On Wren Day, December 26th, men hunt a fake wren, nowadays, and put it on top of a pole, dress up in motley clothing and go mummering around town with it, accompanied by Cayley bands. Later they bury it, accompanied by the band again, this time playing somber dirges. There are three main theories about the origin of Rende. The first theory is that the tradition came from Scandinavian settlers during the Viking invasions of the 8th to 10th centuries. One story tells how a winter wren betrayed Irish soldiers fighting against the Viking invaders by beating its wings on their shields. The second theory is that the wren is an ancient druidic symbol for the past year, which must be sacrificed to make way for the new year, which in the book of Welsh mythology called the Mabinogion is symbolized by the birth of the sun. The third theory, most popular in Ireland, comes from a story where God wanted to know which bird flew the best, so he planned a contest. The bird who flew highest and furthest would win and be considered the king of all birds. The birds all began together, but they dropped out, one by one, until none were left but the eagle. The eagle eventually wearied and slowed down, flying lower in the sky. At this point, the sneaky wren emerged from beneath the eagle's wing and won the contest, flying higher and further than all the others. This next song, called The Cutty Wren, sung by Royston Wood and Heather Wood, is a Scots version, describing how they will cut the wren into little pieces and distribute them to the whole town in a sort of loaves and fishes type scenario. Like many of the wren songs, it describes a miracle or a strange occurrence that follows the killing of the wren. Will you do their sad milder to molder? Oh, we may not. Die. 
Dotty Wren said John the Red The next two songs are Welsh wren hunting songs, which are some of the oldest of the type, telling a similar story to the English song, where two characters are in dialogue. One asks the other where he is going, and he says he's going to the woods to hunt the wren. The boys then express joy at killing the sneaky wren and describe the dinner that they will have afterward. This is Drew Back by Carrig Lafar, the little wren. Drew Bach ad i'r gŵr, mdan o mae stŵr, mae cwest arno fe, nos hen o mob lle. Mae cwest arno fe, nos hen o mob lle. Fe ddalhwyd y gwalch, oedd neithiwr ymfalch, mewn stafell wendig, a'i dri brawd ar ddig. Mewn stafell wendig, a'i dri brawd ar Ribanai bob llyw, si o gwmpas y driw. Ribanai bob tro, si arno'n lle to. Ribanai bob tro, si arno'n lle to. 
Mae'r drawod yn sgant, hed a sant i bant, ond deant yn ôl, drwy'r lwybra'r hen fôl. Ond deant yn ôl, drwy'r lwybra'r hen fôl. O meistrys fach fwyn, grymdewch ar ein cwyn, plant i ei hanc i mni, goll yn gwch ni'r ti. Plant i ei hanc i mni, goll yn gwch ni'r ti. Drwy'w bach a diwr gŵr, mdan o mae stŵr, mae cwest arn o fe, nos hen o mob lle. Mae cwest arn o fe, nos hen o mob lle. Berti men, meddar y jyd wrth robin, Berti men, meddar dibyn wrth dobyn,
That was Hellardu, Hunting the Wren, by the Welsh band Fernhill. Next up is a curious carol that has become associated with Christmas, but has little to do with winter or the birth of Jesus, called variously the Hearn, Down in Yon Forest, and Corpus Christi Carol. The song is rather a mystery. It was found by an apprentice grocer named Richard Hill in a manuscript written around 1504. The tune was added later. The images in the song of a hawk, a maiden, and an injured knight are clearly symbolic, but somewhat opaque. One theory holds that the song is about the quest for the Holy Grail, and that the knight described in it is the Fisher King of Arthurian legend. This king is wounded and immobile, and as long as he is wounded, his kingdom will not flourish. You'll notice a reference to a brown orchard in the first verse of some versions. This is John Flegel with The Hearn. Stands about, Lulee, 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 
that bower there stands a bed. The next version of the Corpus Christi Carol replaces the refrain, The falcon hath borne my mate away, with the much more explicitly Christian, I love my Lord Jesus above anything, though it retains the mournful and mysterious tone of the original. This is Shirley Collins with Down in Yon Forest. Jesus. 
apple wassailing is an old pagan English tradition of drinking to the health of apple trees. At this celebration, people gather in an orchard or near a single tree, make a bonfire, drink cider, and pour some on the roots of the trees. They may tie ribbons or cloth to the tree, they dance, bang pots, and stamp their feet to wake the trees up. Some people will soak cake or bread in cider and string it up in the tree. On New Year's Day in some towns, boys will participate in what's called apple howling, where they beat the tree with willow wands and chant loudly, demanding apples for the coming year. This is Apple Tree Wassail by Doug Yunson and Sarah Matthews.
though apple wassailing is probably the stranger and more interesting custom, you can, of course, also wassail people, and many of the wassail songs that remain do so. Wassail is an old English word that means good health. You'll notice that wassail songs typically refer to the act of drinking an homage to someone or something, or of going door-to-door offering well wishes and asking to be let inside. The earliest wassail we know of is a reference from Geoffrey of Monmouth describing the year 449 when Rowan, the daughter of Hengist, offered a wassail cup to Vortigern, the king of the British in England. He was charmed by the gesture, and they got married. Ritual drinking also plays a large role in Norse mythology and history. Many prehistoric images from Scandinavia show people lifting drinking horns as a sign of a significant moment. In fact, in early sources, the Yule celebration as a whole was often referred to as drinking Yule. This is Malpas Wassail by the Watersons. Now the harvest been over and Christmas drawing in Please open your door and let us come in When our Sitting down by the fire, while we pull the sail by the church to the mire, when our Sitting down at the reeds, put your hands in your pockets and give what you please. When I
And a long time to live Since you've been to kind and so well in to give When I were once Aside from Christmas trees, holly and ivy are the two symbols most closely associated with pre-Christian midwinter festivals. The problem is, we have not much evidence for what exactly they might have meant to those prehistoric revelers. We know at least that holly was associated with the Roman midwinter festival called Saturnalia, because it was sacred to the god Saturn. Sprigs of it were given to friends as a gift at this time, along with its friend, ivy. We understand also that holly was sacred to the druids, as it represented the red and green colors of life in the death of wintertime. A version of the horned god myth prominent in the development of Wicca and other Celtic neo-pagan traditions is that of the holly king, 
At the winter solstice he is conquered by the Oak King, who reigns until midsummer, when the Holly King gets to win the battle, and reign for the rest of the year until the solstice comes again. This is Green Growth the Holly by Coop, Simpson, Fraser, and Freya. Some holly and ivy songs, like this next one, come from the tradition of courtly singing competitions between groups of men and women in the Middle Ages. Men praised holly and women praised ivy, the holly for its masculine qualities and the ivy for its femininity. In this version, as in many others, holly wins the battle. This is Ivy, Nay Ivy, performed by Sue Brown and Lorraine Irwing. Holly, he hath red as any rose. 
This is Fair Folk Footnotes, where I dig into the cultural archives and unearth the old-timey origins of things in popular culture. Today's footnote is on Christmas caroling. A carol, now understood as a festive song associated generally with Christmas, was originally a type of circular French dance called a carole. These were super popular dance songs in the Middle Ages, but were banned under Oliver Cromwell to maintain the solemnity of the Christmas celebration. You can imagine how distracting people singing and dancing in a circle might be to those who want to meditate on the eventual death of their savior. This led to people bringing the songs door to door, the way they still do in nostalgic movie representations of Christmas. This is a late Victorian British carol written by a shoemaker called Peter Parsons. This is Watterson Carsey singing the Ditchling Carol. Be merry oh, be merry oh, with holly dress the festive hall. Prepare the song, the feast, the ball, to welcome merry Christmas. And all remember gentles gay, for you who bask in fortune's array. The year is all a holiday, the poor have only Christmas. When you with velvet's mantle blow, defy December's tempest roar. Oh, spare one garment from your store to clothe the poor at Christmas. And all remember gentles gay, for you who bask in fortune's array. The year is all a holiday, the poor have only Christmas. When you the costly banquet deal, to guests who never famine feel. Oh, spare one morsel from your meal to feed the poor at Christmas. And all remember gentles gay, for you who bask in fortune's array. The year is all a holiday. 
That's it for this episode of Fair Folk. Thanks for listening and have a happy solstice.